Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am answering your questions sent in through Instagram all about parenting and the Enneagram. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I ran into one of you on the way to work this morning. I stopped at Trader Joe's to pick up a quick lunch and you were parked next to me and you just said some really kind things to me that made me sob and I just wanted to say thank you. It was such a bright part of my day. My thorn is that I am stressing this week, y'all. Like, I don't even know why. It's like my anxiety just was activated and it won't power down. <laughs> um, yeah, which brings me to my bud, which is that I am heading to Chicago in two days to see two of my best friends and I'm so looking forward to seeing them and laughing and decompressing and just <sighs> releasing for a few days. Okay. So I asked on Instagram if you had questions about the Enneagram and parenting in general, and I got a lot of responses. There were a few questions that I know I'll be answering in upcoming episodes, like type-specific concerns, but I wanted to answer the ones that I think could possibly go unanswered in future episodes here today, starting with advice for parenting your same number child without overwhelming them. So I think when any time we're parenting a child of any type, it's important to remember how we're reparenting ourselves, right? So what did I not receive as a child that has me using these coping skills, um, over-functioning in the ways that I over-function? And how can I pay attention to the ways in which I expect that of my children? So an example of this is as a type 7, I invalidate my feelings constantly. I tell myself to just buck up, feel better. I try to rephrase things into a positive. I try to be more grateful when I'm not happy. And I could easily and have easily done that to our little, like going into his room when he's crying and being like, well, think about all the good things that you have, you know? And there was just one day where I caught myself doing that. And I was like, whoa, I can't do that to him. Like, that's how I talk to myself, and that's not how I want to talk to him. And so I had to learn to think like a four and just fully validate his experience, honor his emotions, talk to him about coping skills when he's not in fight or flight mode, you know, kind of pull out. So I say that to say the way that you talk to yourself is likely the way that you're talking to your kids. Make sure that you're doing that on purpose, but also reparent yourself while you're parenting them. You know, give yourself what you needed so that you can give them what they need. 
otherwise, also, like, in my opinion, it's not our job to fix or solve our children. Um, they are not, like, art that we are sculpting. They are, like, living, breathing beings that we're learning to understand. So, I think our job is to be a safe place for them to land. So, we create parameters and boundaries and expectations that create a safe place for them, but also a place of deep love and acceptance for however they're showing up. And then we mirror the behavior we want them to learn. So if I want them to be positive about their body, I need to talk positively about my body. If I want them to feel our freedom around food or um, excitement around exercise or um, kindness towards others, then I need to participate in those activities. I cannot tell you how many times things that I've wanted our kid to do with me that I've tried to use words to get him to do, like think about others or, you know, get excited about exercise. These are things that when I use my words mean nothing to him, but when I do it, he jumps on board. Like if I'm doing yoga while he's at home, he'll do yoga with me. Um, I put together these kits for people who are experiencing homeless every year. And he's part of that because we do that together. Now he thinks about homelessness and we talk about homelessness and what it means to not have a home and why some people don't have a home. And um, he has a deep well of compassion because I took action that he participated in, not because I told him he should care, right? So I think we create a safe place for them to land where there are healthy boundaries, there is a deep acceptance for them, and then we do what we think we need to do. We grow. So the most important thing we can do is love them, accept them, and do our own growth work. Question number two, is it important for you to know your son's type and have you typed him? Is typing your kiddos good or bad and at what age? So I will honestly say that I think we're close to having a strong sense of his type at the moment, but it's been a conversation we've been having for years. We started talking about it when he was probably six or seven and he's 10 now. Now at this point, he's able to recognize most types, like if we're watching a TV show or talking about something that happened out in public. As far as typing him, we've had some guesses over the years, but we've always really allowed him to lead the way in terms of what his type is, even if I thought he was mistyping himself. Like, he currently says that he's a seven with a six wing or a six with a seven wing, and he wants to know why seven doesn't have a one wing, because he relates a lot to one as well. And I can see him as a one or a six personally, and possibly a nine as he gets older, but all of that to say the conversations around who he is and how he sees himself are invaluable to me. Like I am so grateful to have language to discuss the concerns that he's carrying, how he sees himself and even how he wants to see himself or be seen by us. So my best case scenario for this is that we continue this conversation for the rest of his life, that he'll always feel safe to tell me how he sees himself without me fixating on what I want him to see about himself, right? So not me being like, I want you to accept that you're a type six. I need you to know that you're a type six. That is not the goal. The goal is for him to consistently say, I feel like a type six right now because I'm having some fears and for that to spark curiosity in me so that I can get to know him better. Um, the moment I try to pin him into something is the moment that I tell him who he is instead of letting him tell me who he is, which is to me, not the goal. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. 
Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Now, as far as age, if we were having the conversations I think we can have, um, them from the moment they're ready to start. Like if we're, we're not typing them, then we can start having these conversations. A really great simple book for this is Nina and the Really, Really Tough Decision by Carl Hebenstreit. It's a simple book that makes the perspectives really clear and easy to articulate to little ones. Like it's such a good place to start. Um, it just shows you like there are nine different perspectives, nine ways of solving this problem. However, it's important to remember that our brains aren't even fully developed until we're 25. So the journey to solidifying their type is going to be a really long one. You can have suspicions and they can tell you how they experience themselves, but they're likely to change. And it's helpful and I think healthy to stay present and available for that change. Question number three, do a lot of moms mistype as twos because of our cultural expectations of moms? Yes, big time. A lot of women in general mistype as twos because of our societal expectations of women. So that's very, very, very common. How early do kids show their type? Are types really based on the parent-child relationship? So there's a lot of opinions about this, a lot of differing opinions. I'm not going to give you a strong opinion. Surprise, surprise. What I will say is that our kiddo looked like his type from as early as four. Um, he's had the same demeanor since I've known him. Now, I'm not able to tell you how that will develop as he gets into preteen or teenage years, what that's going to look like or what his motivation is for that behavior or that demeanor. From the research that I've done, usually teenage years around 16 are when you can really start to solidify what their type is versus like what their childhood type is because there's a whole theory that I'm a pretty big fan of called the soul child theory, which is the concept that you are kind of one type in like early adult or like early childhood, which potentially could be like birth to three years old. You know, I'm not saying like necessarily seven to 10. I don't know, you know, the answer to that. I don't want to give you a solid answer on that because no one knows, but there's a theory that we are one type at birth. And then through our childhood experiences, we um, kind of turn into another type to protect the essence of our type. So for example, as a seven, when in rest, we move to type five. So that would mean type five would be my soul child. So as a child, I would feel more like a type five, but that I learned along the way that being solitude, being in solitude, going retreating into my mind, that I wasn't going to get my needs met that way. And that I was going to have to figure out a way to solve my problems. And so I did that through 
the seven demeanor, you know, developing that seven mechanism to protect my inner five. So with that theory in play, um, I'm really hesitant to say that I know my kid's type at this point because maybe this is his soul child type that I'm seeing. You know, who's to know how he'll learn to protect himself or defend himself as he gets more out into the world? So, yeah, that's the really muddy answer. But really, most people say late teens, you can start to see more of their type. Okay, friends. So that's all for today's questions. I'm going to, we're continuing on with the parenting series starting tomorrow. Um, But as a reminder, if you have specific Enneagram questions, you can always text or call them in to the podcast phone number, which is in the show notes right there for you. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.